you download from Delancey Eden Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Eden Church building at the Banks St Simpsons in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Bible's with you. I think I turn to James chapter 1. It kind of fits in what we've heard already from the coal and others. Came back to you last week. Mary brought a word last week, if you remember. And I felt I was quite strong about just walking in the fire. And I want to talk this one about walking in the fire. That's a good title, isn't it? How many of you ever felt sometimes you've... How many of you ever walked through fire? I've been there, you know, the real things of life. Here's, here's a, an interesting verse here in 1 James. I don't think it's a verse that we tend to underline very much. It's not our number one word that we remind ourselves of. It's a kind of word that we, we look to, but we see the challenge of this particular verse. James 1 verse 2. My brethren, count your all joy when you fall into Various trials. That's powerful, isn't it? Think of that. Count it all a joy when we fall into various trials. Isn't it true, if we're honest, that all of us would love a hassle-free life? Anyone would love that? You know, that kind of life where where you, your life is just free from all hassles, all problems, all difficulties. And something in us wants that kind of life. Reality is, it just doesn't happen that way. Is that right? Because we live in a, if you like, we live in a kind of war zone. We live in a hostile environment, really. And often because of those things, that we're going to have various problems that kind of hit our life. The Bible calls them fiery trials. In other words, a situation that you find yourself in where the heat's really on. The pressure's turned up and we find ourselves in a place of turmoil and conflict. Now, when those things happen, when the pressure's come, when the heat's turned up, here James tells us we've got to have a certain outlook to life. We've got to have an attitude that is both Joyful and positive. Because it's not what we go through, it's the attitude that we have when we're going through it. Can you see that? And James says, this is the attitude that we've got to kind of develop. He says, count it all a joy. I want you to get a hold of it, because sometimes if we have a kind of worldview of those situations, in other words, the... What we think about is, is all focused on what, what happens, then we're going to struggle. But I think that if we, if we develop a view that says, God, you're in charge, that you hold my life, as we heard earlier, in your hands, that whatever comes my way, God, you intended to work for my good. And you know, God, I believe that whatever happens, you are going to produce something good out of it. That's the attitude that can cause you to have an attitude of rejoicing in the midst of your trials and difficulties. The Bible speaks of three fires, really. There is the fire of a 
fiery trial. We're going to look at a moment. There's the, there's the fire of the Spirit. Uh, maybe we'll look at next week. And also there's the, the fiery darts. Things that the enemy fires at our lives. I want to turn me to Daniel 3. Because this is the one I want us to really f- kind of learn some real truths from, really. About walking through the fire. Daniel chapter 3. Well-known story. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at from verse 19. Sorry about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or someone said, uh, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. So I don't know. But, uh, 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 couldn't resist that one, sorry about that. Uh, okay, verse 19. You're never going to look at those names now, are you, without sort of having this one? Anyway, verse 19. Uh, then Nebuchadnezzar, let, I'll tell you what, we'll pick up the story from verse 17 a little bit just so we get a hold of it. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us from your hands, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we will worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. Expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into a burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in, in their coats, their trousers, their, their turbans, and their own garments and were cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because, of this, because this command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly up, the flames of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Manshach, and Abednego, I'm going to be full of those names now, uh, <laughs> fell among, bound into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was, was astonished. He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound? And into the midst of the fire they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are now not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to the mouth of the fiery furnace and spoke. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out of, come out of here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out in the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's councillors gathered together. And when they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power... The hair of their head was not singed, nor was their garments affected. And notice this, and the smell of fire was not on them. Isn't that powerful? I'm sure you all know the story that these three, these three guys were, were basically, they were brought to Babylon, probably about 13 years of age. There they served right there in the government of, and served in Nebuchadnezzar's kind of government, if you like, and they were given names, and the names that reflected the gods, the Babylonian culture they worshipped. And what the king did, you may remember the story, he set this huge statue 
were told it was 60 cubits high, huge thing, and told that when a certain tune was played, that everyone had to bow down and worship at that statue. When you get to think, think about this, you think about it. Thousands and thousands of people bowing down to it. Suddenly, you're the only three people standing. Isn't that powerful? Everybody else is bowed down, and you're the only three people left standing. Here's the picture. They were willing to stand out, and they were willing to be different. I think there should be something different about us. Different attitude, different conversation, different mindsets, different countenance, different attitudes. And often there's pressure on us, especially in the days in which we live, to conform to the world's values, the goals and the dreams and the desires. I think there's, there's a pressure from a society that's abandoned God to bow down in so many areas of our life and yield to the spirit of the age. The real question is, are we going to stand up? Are we going to stand up often in the midst of all kinds of pressures, all kinds of challenges? God's looking for a generation that's going to stand up and not be conformed to the values and the standards around us. And I just believe that's such a strong thing in this day. So easy to, to get caught up with the values and the standards of this world. And we've got to be willing to stand up. You say amen to that. And there's three things before I get into the good stuff, okay, there's... I want to bring the encouraging stuff. Before I do that, there's three things that I think is an incredible challenge to us about these three guys. Here's the first thing. No yielding. They refuse to yield to the value of the day. They refuse to value to the spirit of the world. They refuse to, to yield to the, if you like, the, the, the culture of idolatry that was right there. And I think every one of us has to make a decision who we're going to yield to. What will we yield to? These three refuse to yield. The key, I think, to effective Christian living is almost every day you're going to make a decision that you're going to yield to God. Romans 12 says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Paul puts it this way, I appeal to you I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. In other words, make a decision that you're going to yield yourself to God. He says, present your bodies, present your thoughts, present your mind. Make a decision that you're going to allow your mind to think thoughts that are in agreement with God. Present what you see. Present what you listen to. Present what you say. Present your passions. Present your will. Present your hands to do what he desires you to do. Present your feet to go where he wants you to go. Present your tongue to say what he wants you to say. Make a decision that God, I am going to yield to you. I'm going to follow your destiny and your purpose to my life. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to allow the world to squeeze me into its values, into its, into its ways of life. I'm going to submit myself. I am going to yield to God. You think about this. Whatever you yield to ultimately is what controls you. 
Literally, you think about it. The things that we yield to in life ultimately are what's going to control us. So the Bible says if you would just yield to God, what you're saying is, God, I give you opportunity to control me. If we yield to other things, then those other things will control us. Whatever you yield to ultimately has control over your life. That's why the devil wants to put pressure on you to yield to other things. Because if you yield to other things, those are the things that will control and dominate your life. You say, man. Here's the next thing. They refuse to yield. The second thing they said, and this is powerful, they said, it makes no difference to us. That's powerful. Even if the fire does burn us, if you like, then it will make no difference. That we will still serve God. Whatever happens to us, it makes no difference whatsoever. That's a powerful truth. I think some people only serve God if he, only, if he answers their prayers. Some people only serve God if it will always go well for their life. Everything becomes smooth for them. If they get what they really want, what they really dream for. We've almost got to make a decision in our heart that says, God, it makes no difference. We are 100% committed to walk with you. Doesn't matter what we face. Doesn't matter what we go through. It's not going to affect our commitment to you. That's powerful. Whatever hits our life, we've made a quality decision that nothing is going to change our commitment to you. Here's what to see. Whatever will make a difference in your heart to serving God, opportunity will come to do that. In other words, if, serve, if, if, if my serving God will be affected, for example, by money... Then opportunity, to, opportunity for that to happen will come. If, if pleasing my family or friends or, or being popular, desire, relationships, ambition, whatever those things are, whatever things in my life would make a difference to me serving God, then make no doubt that that opportunity is sure to come. That's powerful, isn't it? Whatever would make a difference in your life and my life to serving God, to affecting our commitment to him, and that opportunity is going to come. And almost we've got to say, whatever comes my way, I've made a quality decision. It is going to make no difference. You see, the one thing that holds you back from fully, completely presenting yourself and yielding to God Whatever makes difference to you in serving God, whether it be issues of, of wanting to be loved, issues of control, issues of affections of the heart, issues of, of, of things we're not willing to deal with, whatever is the difference to us serving God, then that is actually going to be there before us. And so we've got to make a decision. As these men says, God ultimately, it makes no difference Whatever comes, I am going to serve you. Because there's the key. We look at Jesus and say, Jesus, you gave yourself absolutely unreservedly for me. And so if you made such a commitment to me, then I can make no less a commitment to you. It makes no difference.
I commit myself unreservedly. I've got no plan B, if you like. No plan B. I am unreservedly, totally, absolutely, totally committed to you, come what may. You see that? I just think of some of those amazing believers in China. See, that's the kind of decision they've made. That says, come what may. Whether we're persecuted, whether we're thrown into prison, it makes no difference. We have committed ourselves to serve the Most High God. And that kind of commitment changes nations. How many realize that? Do you know, China is the fastest growing Christian nation in the world. More Christians have been saved in China than any other nation in the world. In spite of the persecution, in spite of the pressure, because those believers made a quality decision, come what may, we're serving God. And God has responded, if you like. Isn't that wonderful? Here's the third thing before I go into the good stuff. No option. No option. No option. When you follow God. We found sometimes that when, when that fire, when you find yourself in that fire, when you find yourself in that difficult situation, how many found that, that sometimes there doesn't seem to be any way out? Sometimes we can find ourselves in, in, in these kind of fiery situations, not necessarily because of things that we ourselves have done. Sometimes it can be what other people do to us. We can find ourselves right in the midst of a conflict and a difficult situation because of what has happened. Here's what to see. Regardless of how that situation, that difficulty, that trial happened, notice this. That when the fire came, they realized the fire had no power over them. And that's what you've got to realize. Whatever the difficulty, whatever the trial, whatever the thing that's impacting your life, it's realizing actually in reality it has no power over me. The only power really that has over us is how we respond. That's the real power, is how we respond. The question is, what do you do in the midst of that fire? Let me show you a verse. That's interesting. Hebrews 11, verse 34. I think whatever fire you and I have gone through, and if you're anything like me, you've gone through quite a few over the, over the years. I don't think any of us have kind of reached this situation. Hebrews 11, verse 34. Here it talks, it's a whole chapter really about men of faith, the great men of faith. These great men of faith. It says in verse 34, verse 33, sorry, talks about people who through faith subdued kingdoms. That's powerful. Subdued kingdoms through faith. In verse 34, it says this they quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned the flight of the armies of the aliens. That's the good stuff. Verse 20, 35, women receive their dead, raised to life again. I had an, an amazing miracle. A woman had, a, had her husband raised to life because she believed that verse. Isn't that amazing? But it also says, others were tortured, 
not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You see, you see both sides there, don't you? Those who had amazing deliverances, those who didn't. But the point is, it was all of faith. Sometimes we think faith is always about action, about doing something. But I think faith, real faith, is when you make a stand for God. It's when you refuse to dishonor God. When you refuse to turn from what he said. That's real faith. No matter what's going on about you, you say, I am not going to turn from my faith. No matter what hits me, whatever's rising against me, I am not quitting. I'm not giving up. And I think that's real faith. I think there's some amazing people in life that maybe aren't great names, if you like. But they are amazing men and women of faith. Because when the pressure was on, when the difficulty is on, they stood firm. And they refused to move from their trust and their faith in God. Can you say amen? Now, ready for the good stuff? Okay, that's some of the challenge in there. Here's the thing I want to say. It says in verse 25, that, of, 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 it says, The fire had no power. Fire. Power. Power. This often I find there are certain situations that God doesn't always deliver you from. Have you found that? Some things, God opens the door, lifts you out of it. Isn't that wonderful? We, say, we love those times. Let me love those times. There are some situations that God doesn't necessarily deliver you from. But get a hold of this. He promises, even though that situ- he might not turn that situation around, he promises he will be there with you. He will be there with you in it. God will be there with you. Here's what we to see. In their fire, they never as radically experienced the presence of God as they did in the fire. They experienced their encounters with God outside of the fire through the everyday lives, but the greatest, the most amazing, radical encounter they had with God, where was it? Right in the fire. They said, I thought there were three there. There is one as the Son of of God walking with them in the midst of the fire. And that's the promise. The promise is, God never promised to you that you'd never have a fiery, difficult, hard situation. But what he did promise you is this. He would be there with you in the midst of it. Even though you walk through the fire, says Isaiah, you will not be burnt. For I will be with you. Never leave you, never forsake you. If I'm really honest with myself, probably some of the greatest encounters and experiences I had with God were often when there's been tears rolling down my cheek and my whole world feels like it's falling apart. Those are the times and the moments in my life that I've probably encountered the presence of God in greater ways than any other time. Because it's in those moments, it's as if God seems to come far, far closer. Not that he's not closer, but it's in those moments that I think we can have some of the most radical encounters with God. And I found this. If I would just pour out my heart, open my heart up to him, 
It's amazing what God does in the mystery. What am I saying? Instead of having our eyes focused on the fire, focus on an encounter. Focus on what God is doing in your life in the midst of it. It's when gold goes through the fire that all the dross and all the rubbish comes to the surface. That's how gold is purified. It's purified in heat. Because when gold is placed into heat, all the foreign alloys, all that which is not gold, rises to the surface. How many have found it's in the midst of a fire, it's in the midst of pressure, that certain things that you didn't even know were in your life suddenly rise to the surface? You find all that negativity there. You find unbelief there. You begin to find things in you that you didn't even know were there. And you just weep before God. And you open your heart to God. And you begin to really find, actually, that is what really is going on deep inside me. The barriers fall down. The false illusions of who we are and where we are begin to be removed. We begin to see ourselves, we begin to see our heart as we really are. All the barriers, all the false illusions, all the things we put up before God are suddenly removed. And we're open, we're honest before God, and we begin to cry out to God. And right there in the midst of that, an encounter with God begins to take place. It's in the fire. The fire won't burn you, but in the fire, you can have a radical encounter with the Most High God. Can you say amen? I want to see some of the things that happen in that fire. Think about this. Let me put it this way. That your greatest advances and growth in, as a Christian often happen in the fire. How many found that? That's actually when you grow. It's actually not in the mountains that we grow. It's actually in the valleys. It's the pressure. It's the difficulties. It's the things rising up against us. That's where we tend to grow. That was the great declaration of... of of the Chinese church. They said, we're like bamboo shoots. You cut us down and we're going to grow back stronger. How many love that? I love that. You cut us down and we're going to come back stronger than what we were before. And that's the attitude that God loves. God, devil, things are going to hit my life. And every time it hits my life, I want to tell you now, I'm going to come back stronger. You know, kind of a spiritual army. I'll be back. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, don't worry about that one. Okay, two things happen in the fire. We're told that they had bonds, chains around them. And those bonds, the only thing that was actually burned was the bonds over their life. That through the fire, limitations over our life are broken. Limitations of people, things that bind us, things that limit us in life, things that restrict us, it can be in the fire, it's broken. Issues with people, issues of bitterness, issues with past experience of pain and grief. In a fiery experience, they, they flush up to the surface. And there's the amazing thing. It's at that point you can get free of them. You think about it. If you never see it, you're never going to get free from it. 
If you never recognize that bond, if you never recognize that chain, if you never recognize that unbelief, if you never recognize that hurt, if you never recognize that stuff inside you, you're never going to get free from it. And so as the fire comes and all the impurities rise to the surface, you bring them before God. God begins to move and work in your life. He begins to bring you into a greater level of freedom and a greater level of deliverance. I can think of so many things in my life that God set me free from in the midst of a fiery situation. You're desperate. You begin to cry out to God. And so God begins an incredible work of liberty and freedom and begins to set you free from things you never even knew were holding you and binding you. Even though you walk through the fire, I will be with you. I'm faithful, says God, in the midst of that fire, not to consume you. Because here's the amazing thing. You become an absolutely, totally different person. You begin to change. Isn't that right? You begin to change. The freer you get, the more you begin to be transformed and the more you begin to change. Those things that began to limit you and hold you and, and hold you back in life begin suddenly to be broken from you. And it's at that point you can be the person that God always meant you to be. God doesn't want any of his children to be bound up. He doesn't want you to be bound up with anger and hurt and pain and, and limitations on life. He wants you to fulfill destiny and purpose, but you'll never fulfill it as long as there's bonds and chains over your life. And so he works to burn those things away from you so you can fulfill all that he has called you to fulfill. In the midst of that fire, you, you repent of them. You face them. You confront them. You grieve over them. And then the most important thing you do, you get a hold of this, you let them go. Hallelujah. See, you're brought to a place for the first time maybe in your life that you're willing to let it go. I think a lot of people want to be free, but they find it very, very hard to let go of certain things in their life. Often through a fiery experience, you get to a point and you say, you know what, I'm willing right now I've had that thing for so many years in my life, but now I'm willing finally to let that go. Amen? The other thing they had in the fire, I said before, was this amazing encounter with God. Here's what it says, and this struck me in verse 25. You know what else happened in the fire? It says, they walked in the fire they walked in the fire here's the question when the pressure's on do you remain do you maintain your walk with God when the fire comes it's so easy to stop walking with God you give up on your prayer life you give up praising him you give up hold on to his word you back away from trusting him here these men, they says, we are still walking with him. Here's the thing, that when those things come, are you going to continue to walk with God? I mean, a lot of people that, that they give up following God that because of the hardship, because of the difficulty, because so it their life, and they just pull back on their walk with God. And God says, if you would just maintain your walk with me, then I can do amazing things in your life. Just maintain the walk. Maintain the walk. 
And if you maintain the walk, I guarantee you will be an absolutely, totally, radically different person. If you carry on walking through that fire, you'll be changed and transformed. Verse 27, almost finished, but verse 27 says this. This is what struck me. And the smell of fire wasn't on them. The smell of fire wasn't on them at all. I think you're fine. Ever been, I don't know if you've been in a fire or you've been around someone that's had a fire. Or you're around someone, particularly if you're around someone and with smoke. Are you amazing? You can smell on your clothes. I always remember, I, could, I used to have uncles and they used to come, used to visit us at Christmas. And I always knew they'd been there. Sometimes days after they'd been there, because I could still smell the smoke in the house every time. Incredible thing about these guys, they were put in an absolute fiery furnace and they didn't even have the smell of smoke. And I think, well, what a challenge that is. Because many people, when they go through fire, they come out of it, but the, st- the, but the smell of smoke is still on them. What does the smell of smell, smell, what does the smell of smoke smell like? That's it. That's a bit of a tongue twister, that one. The smell of smoke. What does it smell like? What it smells like? It smells like a negative attitude. It smells like bitterness. It smells like offense. It smells like critical. It smells like drawing back from God. Loss, the touch of God on their life. I don't know, I'm sure you've been over the years and you meet people, people that were once so on fire for God. They were radical, they were amazing, they were awesome. And you see them and now they're nowhere with God. You're talking to them, you share, you get sharing with them. They say, well, this happened, this real hard situation hit my life and I just had to pull away. The smell of smoke was upon them. Here's what I'm saying. If we would just lean towards God, we would just trust him. We would just open our hearts to him. And the Bible says, this is what Job's word was. He says, God, when I've gone through the fire, I will come out of it like gold. I'll come out of it like gold. Think of gold. If you put the temperature too high, the gold's lost. If the temperature's not high enough, then it never really removes the false alloys in it. Only an expert knows exactly what temperature to give. In the right temperature, all the stuff that needs to be removed begins to disintegrate. It comes apart. The stuff you couldn't see, the stuff on the surface, the refiner begins to scoop it away. He cools it down and he begins with it again. Your faith in God means that we get refined like God, that your faith increases and grows. You know, I was just thinking of Peter, that Jesus said, remember him? Jesus said, Peter, I pray for you. What did he pray? He said, pray that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you've been restored, you'll go back to your brethren and you'll encourage them and build them up. And he said, Lord, I'm never going to deny you. Cock crows three times. And you may remember he denies the Lord, weeps bitterly. But here's the thing. Jesus prayed not that Peter wouldn't fail. He prayed that his faith 
wouldn't fail. He's saying, Peter, I'm praying that when that fire hits your life, that even though you're going to weep, even though you're going to feel such a failure, that you won't give up, that you won't fail, that you won't pull back. That when you've gone through this fiery experience, when you've really gone through this failure, that your faith, your trust in me wouldn't fail. And I'm glad to report that even though Peter failed, his faith didn't fail. He still held and still trusted in the living God. His faith didn't quit. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel there's still fire on you. you still got the smell of fire on your life. And you're saying, God, I just want you to touch me. I want you to remove that offense. I want you to touch that hurt. I want you to touch that disappointment. Touch that disillusionment I've been paying. And I'll close with this. And I felt the Lord bring this so strongly to me. This is what God says to us this morning. He says, those places of fire are the places that are most precious to God. The place of your fire is the place that is most precious to God. That's the place where you're going to encounter God in ways you've never encountered Him before. They are absolutely, totally and utterly precious to God. Isn't that wonderful? God says, even though you've been to the fire, it won't burn you. Even though you've been to the waters, it's not going to drown you. Because right there, I promise to be with you. Just reach out to me. Don't run from me. Run to me. Open your heart to me. Let me begin to do the work of grace that I yearn and long to do in your heart. Let's just come before him right now in these moments. Hallelujah. Just open your heart up to the Lord right now. I think one of the greatest cries that we can ever give to God is saying, God, I just need you. I've got great, deep theological prayers, but one thing I have, God, is God, I just need you. And maybe here, we had a word that says, maybe could you be one, but you're going through a, a, a really fiery situation right now. Real difficult situation. I just believe this morning in these moments, God just wants to love on you. Wants to minister to you. Wants to tell you this morning that he's there with you. He's right there with you. Sometimes we may not always feel that right there immediately. It takes time for our hearts to get a grip of it, that. But God just wants you to know this morning in the midst of that situation, he is there with you. He's there with you. And if you're here right now, and you're saying, you know what, I'm going through a real hard, difficult situation right now. That's you right now. Would you 
just stand where you are right now because we want to very specially pray for you this morning. That God's hand, God's power, God's strength would just be upon you. Actually, right now, just stand where you are. We just want to pray for you. I'm just going to come where you are and just pray for you right where you are for the Lord just to be with you and put his hand upon you right now. Anyone else right now? Just stand with you. Just going to worship up Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elim Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.